Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Komen, once again, in the safe house, on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times, and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, buddy. What's happening? Hey. Oh, you know, uh, just, just getting ready to, uh, to go on the big tour, the big iguanas tour here. Just oh, as, yeah? Uh, Where are you going? Um, well, let's see. We're, we're heading out. The first stop is uh, someplace I've never even heard of before, uh, uh, Madison, Indiana. So, uh, so kind of, kind of uh, skirting Ohio. Do you feel Ohio. safe? Well, well as, as we talked about on last week's podcast, uh, uh, nowhere is as dangerous as it is in Louisiana. Nowhere is, is spiking uh, as much with COVID as, as Louisiana is. So um, I feel like, you know, the further I get away, the safer I'll be. So, uh, I don't know. Because yeah. last week, I, I know four people who are fully vaccinated who got COVID. Hmm. My neighbor's two doors down. Got the, she's fully vaccinated. She got COVID, and she said um, it was awful. She it was a week. She stayed in her bedroom for one week while her husband was in the guest room, um, and uh, she felt like it was like she almost could die. Really, she got she she got real sick, huh? Oh yeah, she she said it was like the flu, twenty times worse than the flu, wow. like her worst flu ever. And I know three other people who have, uh, who who are fully vaccinated who caught the COVID. So, you know, and uh, you know, people are out there. I mean, I went uh, Saturday. I, I I had to go to uh, out to the Gentilly landfill. Really? What were you yeah. doing out there? Well, uh, every year it seems uh, when we have a freeze, our ginger. We have a lot of ginger in our backyard in the rear of the backyard, and it dies. Right. So that past freeze we had a few months ago, all the ginger died and we chopped it all down, but it took us three months to go to the dump to, uh, mm. cause I mean, it's a lot, it's like a huge, uh, pickup truck, uh, four feet high, you know, six feet wide full of ginger. We have a lot of ginger. My wife loves the ginger. People like ginger. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of that stuff myself. Yeah, I, I cut down a whole lot this season after the freeze. Well, you know, you put a little bit of, of ginger down, and and you wait a few years later, you have a whole lot of it. And yeah, uh, yeah I can't stand it. Yeah, I can't stand it. I don't like I don't like uh, all this. Uh, people around my neighborhood like to instead of fences, they put you know plants and ginger and bamboo. Like a screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to me, it all it brings is infestation. That's all it brings mm. to me. You could just get you, you see wildlife you've never seen before in your life. <laughs> you know, yeah, opossums, uh, raccoons. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I hate them critters. all. It's all infestation, and I can't stand it. And since my cat is blind, our uh -huh. cat is blind. It can't, you know, keep these critters away like other cats can. Hmm. You know, my my cat goes on the back the back porch, and you know, looks like. Uh, it, you know, looks like it's on acid because it's so blind. It can't, it doesn't understand what the hell's going on. Out there. Staring at the sun. Yeah. Staring at the sun and, you know, look at staring at a dead plant. 
know? Right. Well, there, there's there's no cat that's much of a uh, a match for a raccoon, man. A raccoon will fuck a cat up in a in a hurry. Yeah, so. raccoons are mean fuckers. But see, all this infestation brings them, and that's why I don't like it. But you okay, know, all right, makes it's, sense. It's not makes my sense. house. It's not my you know backyard. It's my wife's, and she's okay, all, you're all just guys. playing along. Yeah, I just play along. But uh, yeah, so I got. Uh, I went to the Gentilly dump and it's always exciting. I've been there before. It's a great place. Uh, it's looking right over the river and, uh, mm. it's just amazing to see how they move earth. You know, they just move earth. It's like, back it up, pull all your shit down put it out there right there in that spot. And a tractor comes and just moves it away. I love how they move earth. Okay, got a bunch of a bunch of backhoes there, a bunch of. Uh, oh yeah, they got caterpillars. Those caterpillar tractors. Right, right. You know, which I love. You know, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was happening. Uh, my pe- my friends are getting COVID, and I'm staying away. And you know, it's gonna it's only gonna get worse before it gets better. You know. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I guess a lot you of should are- be safe on your travels. Be safe. Are you going by plane? No, no, going in the van, going to be in the, uh, the, the tin can bouncing down the highway with the, uh, the three other iguanas. So it'll be just us. Um, most of our gigs are, are outdoors. Um, we have a couple indoors, I guess for those we'll have to be, uh, you know, masking up, um, other than when we're on stage. And uh, I don't know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm seeing uh, more people, uh, more venues and, and artists em- employing these uh, more stringent protocols themselves. You know, the, uh, the proof of vaccination for, for admittance or a, a negative COVID test or something like that. I saw but that, that part of the country is very Trump people, aren't they? They're Trump supporters. Oh, Indiana, mm. Ohio, all those places. Aren't they yeah. big Trump supporters? Uh, well, I mean, there, there, there are, are Trump supporters everywhere for sure. But, uh, you, you know, I think for the most part, the Iguanas fans are, are kind of self-selecting, you know, people at, at like uh, New Orleans rock and roll mixed with uh, Mexican music. It's probably not a heavy uh, Trump contingent in there, you know. It's uh, But... The iguana followers are very old people, right? Well, we have we have old fans, we have younger fans, we have a, a good mix. You know, I think uh, you know some of those people uh, again were the first in line for the uh, vaccine, so so they're they're well vaccinated, and you know, hopefully they're they're all uh, you know using some some common sense. And I don't know, you know, we're we're all responding to the 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 evidence as it comes in. You know, we 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 have certain ideas, and then. You know, maybe the uh, the some data comes in that that contradicts the, those ideas. We have to uh, we have to reassess. You know, as people's people have this thing of like, oh, the the CDC keeps misleading us. And it's like, well, the CDC has not done a great job at disseminating information, but I think they they they're not lying to you. You know, they're just the the facts on the ground change from time to time. Yes. 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 yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, well, you have on, on a slightly different topic. I had something that I uh, that that caught my eye the other day. I was watching this this uh, Netflix program. It's called uh, Making a Tyrant, and it's all about different murderous uh, dictators and tyrants throughout modern history. Mostly, you know, talking about uh, you know Idi Amin, Stalin, Pol Pot. Saddam Hussein and all fashion icons they're all fashion icons to me those guys 
You're, 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 well, I'm, I'm not sure what, what, what Paul Potts' uh, uh, attire was, but you're right. The rest of those guys all had a certain flair. You know, they, uh, yeah, yeah, code military. Well, you know, they have the, the, the little warnings up at the, the upper left-hand uh, corner of some programs, you know, say nudity, uh, you know, language, that kind of thing. So on this one, uh, making a tyrant, it, it says uh, violence, uh, warning, violence, smoking, disturbing images. So the disturbing images they're talking about are, you know, genocide, mass murder, but uh, it's genocide and mass murder are still number three to smoking as a, as a danger. <laughs> I thought, well, that's, that's very interesting. We really do have our priorities straight, don't we? Um, well, apparently Netflix does. I, I don't, I don't right. know. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I do know this. Uh, you know, the Olympics are here, you know. Mm, yes. And, and talk about, you know, uh, the Olympics and – I was I started watching some of the Olympics a few days ago, and I realized why I can't stand the Olympics. I've never liked the Olympics because listen, we live in such a divided city, state, country, world, and I'm watching these competitions, and to me, it's just making people more and more divided. It's like, why does this guy have to uh, represent him? Why do why are countries represented? Why can't it just be people, people representing themselves? Why does this have to be a country? You know, it's mm -hmm. just like, because, you know, you, you, oh, the Chinese are ahead. They have more gold medals than the U.S. Well, that's going to make some fucking Yahoo and fucking, uh, you know, somewhere in Indiana, some Trump supporter angry. He's going to get drunk and he's going to go ch kill some Chinese person because we they've got more gold medals this Olympics in the United States. Oh, jeez. Oh. You know? It's just like, it's so stupid. The, the Olympics, I could care less about them, you know? And, but you, uh, but you, you enjoy the head-to-head -head competition, the, 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 uh, the human striving for, uh, for perfection or for, for you know, the highest achievement. Right, the only thing I enjoy is the women's volleyball. That's the only thing I enjoy because those fucking outfits are fucking give me a boner. Man. They're very skimpy, man. I'd noticed oh, I that. Love you know, them, very, man. very skimpy, those... I love those uh, them. I love all that. And, and I used to like the gymnast stuff, but uh, I started, I don't know if I remember this, remember about 10 years ago, two Olympics ago, I started a, you know, the, how they have fantasy leagues for football. Mm -hmm. I started a fantasy gymnastics league. Okay. Uh, about two Olympics ago, but, uh, you know, with all the bad press they've gotten over the few years, I stopped it, you know. Yeah, the yeah. The doctors mm -hmm. and the rape. Right, oh, right, right. It's, it's very right, ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if I told you this. Also, uh, last week I noticed the uh, the the uh, the, uh, the Americans. The only goal that they had won in the first few days was all the sports that had to do with guns. Did I hmm. mention this to you? No, uh, no, you did not. No, no. Apparently, the first few days they have a lot of these little sports like skeet shooting and 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 crossbow and all that stuff, which I didn't know they were sports, but apparently the, the Americans kicked ass in, in shooting. They okay, won like well, 10 sense. gold medals. Yeah. That and I thought sense. to myself, well, that makes total sense because right. this is a gun loving country and they don't want to take away our guns. So we should be the best at shooting at things. Sure. You know? 
you know. So. We're the best at killing each other, that's for sure. Yeah, killing, yeah, that killing and killing, and so. They do have that one, uh, I can't think of what it's called, the Olympic sport, but it combines, like, skiing and uh, and uh, shooting a rifle and, I don't know, like yes. ice fishing or something, yes. I don't know, slingshots, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the, the combination of these, uh, co- combining sports doesn't make sense to me. You know? it's <laughs> it's, like, well, when they're so unrelated, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, hard to figure how they uh, came you up You can come up with anything if you want to. It's like, you know, walking down, walking to fishing to shooting to hockey. Yeah, long you know. division. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't. But it was. Uh, I did see something that uh, that interests me. Uh, the Olympics is that uh, you know they have uh, all sorts of races. They have the marathon. They have a hundred yard sprint. They have eight hundred meters or whatever the hell they call it. But right. it was some breaking news in in the walking race. You know where they walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, speed walking. Yeah, speed walking. Uh, it was a brand new, uh, this guy set a record for the 25 minute mile in, in walking. <laughs> okay. So he's got a world record, a 25 minute mile, which is great. You know, it's a, quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. For him, you know, uh, but like, you know, the old saying goes, you can walk anywhere if you've got the time. Oh, I've never anywhere. heard that saying, but yes, you never I heard that saying. That's true. No, that's, you can that's, walk that's, anywhere if you got the time. No, it makes, makes sense to me. Yeah, it's all good. And the only problem I have lately is this, uh, that gymnast girl. She freaked out. She's the world's number one, and she freaked out, and, and she decided not to compete. But she got a free trip to Japan out of it, you know. So okay. uh, she well, she's, she's there supporting the team in spirit. Yeah, you got to support the team, man. You know, but the problem with her, you know, for her, I don't think she realized this, is that she's out millions and millions of dollars she just cost herself so much money by not yeah. doing it you know but anyway i don't want to get into her because uh you know, sure, anyway. sure, but sure, did you sure, notice sure. did you notice that uh the remember a, a year or so ago that that swingers convention that they have in new orleans yes did i noticed nice it was I, back it's back it's right in front of me yes i saw that uh yep the convention's right in front of you. Well, no, the the, the <laughs> article that uh, oh, okay. the convention coming coming back. Uh, yes, I, I knew that uh, would 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 be a uh, uh, perfect uh, troubled men podcast fodder. So yeah, the swingers they they you know come hell or high water, man. They got to fuck a stranger. I tell you what, man, they just can't <laughs> can't. Uh, <laughs> Can't, can't keep a good man or woman down i guess you know those people just just they they, they want to fuck a stranger in front of their spouse and uh, there's there's no two ways about it but as always just like uh you know nude beaches and all that these are these naked bike races they're, they're the most unattractive people sure uh, it's just like uh, you know honey do you really want me to fuck this cow in front of you <laughs> Sure, fine. <laughs> I'll do that for you. It'll just get you off, fine. You know. Oh, jeez. They're the most unattractive people. Yeah, yeah. Well, more power to them. Yeah. Oh, good for them. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've uh, my campaign is uh, in full force right now, and I've mm. spent the last few days uh, answering uh, all these questionnaires from certain organizations. Right, League of Women Voters. Yes, I remember when we had the the first campaign. We uh, we filled all yeah. those out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I got this uh, 
one just yesterday from some organization and I guess they're nationwide. So they, they, they do these questionnaires for elections all over the country. And the funniest thing was it said, what is your party affiliation? And usually on these questionnaires, it's about four or five parties, you know, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, Green Party, or something like that. But this one listed, God, it lists like about 50 different parties to, hmm. to be a part of. And Nazi Party? Well, <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet, but there's like okay. the United uh, Prayer Party, hmm. um, the Ecology Party, the Unit- Unity Party, the Peace and Freedom Party, the Legal, wow. Wa- Legal Marijuana Now Party, okay. uh, the Prohibition Party. There's all sorts of parties to Jeez. belong to, you know. Look at this one, the Sam Party. I don't know what the fuck that means, the Sam Party. So you just left that one blank. Well, no, I put down, because usually when I file, when I qualify, I always say I'm like independent, non-party, no party. I have no party right. affiliation right. is what I do. But it was amazing to see all these different parties, you know. The Labor okay. Party, um, no. and then also, as in every questionnaire, there's always that one word, other. You can always mm-hmm. put other, you know. Yes, so yes. I thought Other's that day. was, yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Right. You know? Well, you like to party, so, uh, you know, there's got to be one of, at least one of those uh, applies to you. Maybe all of them. You, 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 you can go with all, in any direction, right? Yes, I can go yes, in any direction. Yes. Uh, wherever the party leads me. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, uh, that seems like a a, a good little uh, preamble. Uh, you ready to get our guest in here, Manny? Sure. Good deal. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. This is a, a friend of mine going way back. Uh, he's a he's a terrific guitar player, singer, songwriter. He's a, a founder and frontman, and the brains behind uh, Dash Rip Rock. Uh, great kind of country punk roots rock and roll band. Um, he's uh, well, we're gonna they've they've had a long career going back to the the mid '80s, and uh, it's, it's it's very it's still going strong. So we'll get into all that, but uh, without further ado, the great Mr. Bill Davis. Welcome, Bill. Hey, what's going on, troubled men? <laughs> Bill, great to be here, y'all. Bill, I just want to let you. I want to let you know, Bill. Can I call you Bill? Bill? Absolutely. All right, Bill. I just <laughs> want to know that this show will save you a trip to your senile uncle's house. Okay? <laughs> In what way? Oh, after the show, you'll realize. Okay. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, Manny, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to get to talk to you and and uh, and and. And have a conversation while we're in the middle of your campaign. It's pretty exciting to hear um, how it's going, and uh, you're getting all the paperwork filled out. and uh, And best of luck to you, man. I mean, uh, if, oh, yeah. if I were registered in Orleans Parish, I would totally vote for you. Now, where are you living these days, Bill? I live. Uh, we're in Hammond. We kind of have a little farm up in Hammond, and then oh, but okay. also keeping a little spot in the city. Uh, but, but yeah, I would say my, most of my time is here, um, in the woods in a quiet little spot. 
Nice, nice. Now, Bill, I always think of Dash Rip Rock as, as uh, like being a, a band that started in Baton Rouge. But, uh, but you're, you're and, I, and I just assume that you are from Baton Rouge, but, but you're, you're born in New Orleans, right? I, I was, yeah, but I, I didn't stay there for very long. Um, you know, my family was um, living out. Was smart. <laughs> yeah, well, they were they were living in Chalmette, and then you know the work called my dad to other places. So, uh, so I did most of my growing up in Baton Rouge and Lake Charles okay. and Pon- Ponchatoula. So, uh, so I've really been all around South Louisiana. Uh, okay, but, but yeah, I, I I feel that um that that New Orleans is where I've spent most of my time. So. Where'd you wind up going to high school? Just out of curiosity. I went to Alfred M. Barb High in Lake Charles. I, yeah, I got stuck out there, and and that's where I really started playing in bands and and watching musicians and and really falling in love with music was in Lake Charles, and and it was great. It was great. There was some, and you know, it was the '70s, so everybody was was playing uh, Kiss and Black Sabbath and Aerosmith, and uh, it, it was really fun, fun little town to live in because there weren't like any super great musicians that would just blow your minds. And that was probably a good thing. Cause then I thought, Hey, I can do this. You know, I, I'm, I, I can get around it. I, I can, I can get around it with these Lake Charles musicians. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's a room, room for everybody here. Exactly. I spent a few summers in Lake Charles as a kid. They had this uh, governor's program that uh, you could go to. Um, it was kind of subsidized by the state and, uh, could kind of uh, like live on the McNeese State University campus. It was co-ed, and uh, it was a way that I escaped my parents' house for a couple. Oh, that of, sounds uh, fun. A couple yeah, of three yeah. summers, yeah, yeah. It was a godsend. Yeah, but yeah. It was, a, it was a nice, nice little town. Now, Bill, Bill, when you were a teenager, getting into music, listening to Kiss. You know, Kiss was the first arena concert I ever went to. Hmm. Wow. It was. I, it was in 1976. At the fabulous Forum in Los Angeles, oh, that's uh, I went with uh, my br- older brother and his girlfriend. They took me, the three of us. We saw Kiss, who were you know just exploded on the scene at that time. What a great, what a great first concert! Yeah, first arena concert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Cheap Trick opened for them. And oh, I saw that tour. I saw that. I saw that lineup in Houston at the Summit. So, oh, yeah. really? Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah. yeah, we drove over from Lake Charles, and I mean, you know, rolling joints the whole way and drinking in the car, and it was like some sort of like seventy-six Camaro we were driving. I mean, it was totally uh, a scene out of um, you know, dazed and confused. So. <laughs> yeah. well, I was just nice. about to say that. Yeah. Uh, but so I was the biggest, you know, for me, I was what, 76, I was 12, 13 years old and it was, right. it just rocked. It blew my mind. And that was for an arena show. It was like, you know, they had the pyrotechnics and all that kind of stuff oh, yeah, yeah. where later on I'd go to big concerts and they didn't have that stuff. It was just a band. It's jam. a letdown. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, seeing a guy spit fire live, you heard about it, you heard about it but and, it never actually. And, yeah. You know, and then your next, it. yeah. Then your next concert is like Bob Seger and you're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, the next concert I went to was it was at a it was at a club called the Lighthouse down in Redondo Beach, California, and Santana was doing a gig there. Wow. And this place holds about two hundred people, maybe. Damn. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. great. And this is the mid seventies, and and so you know what the fashions like, you know what the hairstyles are like. 
and, and it was a, it was also a dinner theater. See, I went with my parents. My parents took me, and well, my mom was a big Santana fan, so we all three of us went there. We had dinner, and the lighthouse had kind of a Caribbean feel. They had tiki torches and all this kind of stuff going on in, inside the club, and and all of a sudden, like. Right before the show's about to start, you know, they're, they're serving dessert and stuff like that and coffee. Uh, and it said, you know, the light's kind of lower and the tiki torches are still up. And this dude, this black guy with this huge, I mean, the afro was the thing back then. Remember the huge afro? Oh, yeah. Sure, he yeah. Wa- this black it. guy walks down in the middle of the club and he's got these two gorgeous white babes with him. And he got a little too close to one of those torches and his hair caught on fire. <laughs> 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 His hair caught on fire, and his gals like ran. Luckily, there was some like busboy who like jumped on top of him with a towel and patted his hair. And only like half his fro, you know, uh, burnt, and he was fine. And the show went on and all that kind of stuff. Wow. He kind of did a he kind of did a fro over. He just moved his fro over the burnt side. Yeah. Oh jeez. Because <laughs> wow. it didn't, wow. it didn't actually reach his, you know, scalp. Scalp, yeah. Okay, Cause, nice. Because uh, it, it, it was such a big fro. I mean, we're talking. Right. Remember that guy from Room Two Twenty Two? Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fro. That guy's fro. It was twice the size of that guy's fro. Oh jeez. I that's, mean, this was a that's, big that's fucking colossal. Fro. Wow. So wow. yeah, a colossal fro. But right, uh, right, right. But yeah. So, but anyway, Bill, when you were in high school, you went to see Kiss in Houston. Now, we've had former guests on the show over the last year or so who didn't grow up in New Orleans, but as high school guys, they would make treks to New Orleans to see bands. Did you do that? I did that when I was at LSU. You know, that's that's, okay. that's the way we, we would um, pile in the car and come over here and see the normals and see the cold and see um, uh, Blue Vipers. Uh, so mostly we would go to Jimmy's. Um, and, and that was it. I mean, cause I guess, you know, in Lake Charles, we could either go to, to Houston. I mean, Houston was the only place to go see concerts from Lake Charles. And then once I got into school at LSU, we would run to the city to try to see bands, but we, we really couldn't afford it. I mean, any, any bands that came through and played LSU, like at mother's Mantle or, um, or, uh, you know, some of the clubs that were down by the campus, we would latch on to them and uh and then come see them in the city so so you're in 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 at lsu and baton rouge and and you start uh dash rip rock as as at what what age were you when you when you started that band there dash i started when i was about 24 you know i, I was in school and i was wrapping up my master's degree and i'd been playing i've been playing in a bunch of uh, punk rock bands and sort of psychedelic bands. Um, and we were just a bunch of students and we would just drop acid and try to play a gig. And then, and it was, uh, it, but it, one of the bands was the human rays and one was the noise and it, it was just experimental stuff. And then, and then this, uh, then the Leroy brothers came through and then the long riders came through and then rank and file Jason, the scorchers, all these bands came through around the same window of time. And then I was like, you know, fuck all this psychedelic shit. You know, this, this, <laughs> this punk roots rock is just blowing my mind. I said, it's these bands that are playing punk rock, but it's kind of, uh, it has its roots in, in, um, in country music in the South or whatever. And so right. that's, that's when I really began dash in earnest. And, you know, we quit 
fucking around and, and actually went on tour and got a record deal and all that stuff. So Right. So you start the band. It's you, uh, Hokey Hickle, and Clark Marty. And I'd yeah, actually forgot. Marty. I'd forgotten that Clark was the first drummer. You know, it's like for, for those that don't know, Clark Marty is often referred to as America's guest. He's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's, well, you know, he's one of those was, guys that shows up in a million different scenes, you know. It's, he is uh, such a scenester, yeah. I mean, I tell you what, it was great having him in the band because, I mean, we we got to meet R.E.M., we got backstage, and that's when I first met Peter Holsapple. And, I mean, Clark could get you backstage. And and uh, and then, you know, we got some – he booked us some crazy shows. Like, we opened up for the grassroots. <laughs> wow. Like it, at Fred's, you know, out, out in Tigertown. And I mean, uh-huh. you know, Cl- Clark was a hustler and, um, and he, he really had a lot to do with the beginning steps of Dash Rip Rock uh, as far as, you know, picking our style and picking our music and, and then, uh, and then getting us out in front of all these people. He, he, he knew how to sh- uh, get backstage and, and get opening slots for these big bands, you know? Right, right, right. He has a very friendly guy. Yeah. Now, now you had, uh, you know, Kelly Keller is kind of the the patron saint of this podcast in many ways. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. And, you know, you and Kelly go way back and, and, you know, you and Kelly were, were a couple at, at, in the the early days of, of, uh, of Dash and, and she was, uh, I don't know how officially, but she was kind of managing y'all. So was she there from the very beginning of the band or? What was how did she that really, go down? She was, she was. I mean, we I got together with Clark and Hokey just sort of on my own, and then Kelly got interested once we, uh, you know, started showing some promise, I guess. Mm-hmm, and, uh, sure. and and then and she's the one that wanted me to uh, switch out Clark for Fred. You know, she she just didn't didn't like Clark's uh, playing style that much. You know, and she felt like that we. Um, they they just didn't get along. So anyway, so that's how Clark mm-hmm. got replaced. Kelly sort of uh, um, dropped the hammer on him. Um, but she was in all ways a, a very hands-on, full manager of ours. And, and she would buy us clothes. She would tell us what songs to play. She would book the shows. She would collect the money. Um, and and then once we started touring, I mean, she, she got us – these shows out in Los Angeles, you know, opening for Screaming Jay Hawkins and then the Circle Jerks is like she she really came up with some amazing, uh, very important shows and tours and record deals that that propelled the band to, to, to where we were back then. I mean, we were she really got us, uh, you know, you know, a, a national following. And right. I really, I think, I, I mean, she and I were sort of brainstorming on everything together, but, mm. uh, but she was really ambitious and smart and, and had a good style sense of style. Yes. And, and really, I think even though she was kind of learning that on the job, all those skills and, and those are skills that she continued to use through her whole career because, you know, she wound up, you know, booking bands as a, as a club booker at different times and, and, you know, running, working for a record label. And, you know, it was all, it was all that, the kind of stuff that, that flowed from, from those initial experiences with, uh, with Dash Riprock. It did. It did. I mean, she, she definitely took, took to the industry and, and, uh, 
and and did uh, some amazing things, you know, here in New Orleans and New York and you name it. Well, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Fred LeBlanc being the, the second drummer um, that you had after Clark. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at the, the drummers that Dash Riprock had as, as kind of uh, defining different eras of the band. In, did, in, in yeah. a sense, but, <laughs> but, but even though you had, you know, you had, uh, uh, Fred LeBlanc and you had Chris Luckett, who was originally with the normals and then the cold and, 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 you know, Kyle Melanson after that. And those are all guys that kind of fit into a certain, uh, mold of drummer. To me, they're all like Chris Luckett is kind of the, the, the prototype he, he was. He was. That those guys kind of play like. But that's very interesting that you had the, those like three very muscular drummers, very much in the same mold. Definitely, yeah. I mean, Chris was. You know, he was a he was an all state lineman for John Curtis. I mean, he he was yeah. a, a, <laughs> just an amazing, uh, powerful, but also super talented and 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 had had finesse that Fred and Kyle didn't have. Uh, but, but they, uh, yeah, they, they all were three, like they were built like Fred Flintstone. They were built like stomp <laughs> and they had just such amazing, <laughs> such amazing power. And I just felt like that's something dash, you know, needed because we were a three piece band and we're kind of, I, I'm playing kind of a twangy guitar and Hokie's playing kind of a fuzzy bass. And we just, we needed that, uh, we needed that aggression on the drums and, uh, and, and luck it. Uh, by far, you know, was the he was definitely the model for everybody, uh, just because he he did the normals and he did the cold, and uh, you know he did Force of Habit. He did some just amazing bands that uh, where uh, you know he just propelled the band because he's such a great drummer, so powerful. And he was so influential just because he was the first, and then all these other guys saw him and was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a model to emulate," you know, that's exactly. The way it, Exactly. To me. Yeah. And it went down the line from age to age. It went from Chris to Fred to Kyle. And, right. you know, it's pretty interesting to see how that was handed down. Yeah, man. It's very cool. Yeah. So Dash is a success uh, on the, on the, at, at LSU. And, and, uh, you know, you, you get a record deal. You get a record deal on 688 records out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, they, that, that club was happening and, and, uh, and, you know, it doesn't sound so hot now, but I mean, it really was big for those days, you know, in the well, 80s. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and they were, they had a, an affiliation with, with Mammoth Records and who you wind up being with after, after that initial record. So it was, uh, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, everybody's got to, yeah, that, and that was a big club. It was a very successful club in Atlanta and, and, uh, and had a lot of people going through. Y'all must have played there quite a bit, I would imagine. Oh, huh? absolutely. Yeah. We really had some great shows there. But yeah, I mean that was it, and that that was sort of uh, our '80s in a nutshell. We got to 688, and then we shifted over to Mammoth, and kind of lifted us, you know, above the most of the local bands bands in the scene. You know, I mean the New New Orleans had in the '80s had kind of a exciting, you know, rock scene happening between Jimmy's and Tips and Muddy Waters, and and you know some of the clubs were just really hosting a lot of rock shows and uh and so at the same time there was you know the college radio around the country was they were making stars out of these bands like rem and everybody and so uh tul was was a big part of helping us and klsu so 
Um, so yeah, it was just, it, it was just the, the, the time was right for it all to sort of come together. And now you said you opened for, uh, REM. You know, in one of my college bands, we opened for REM at the Bayou when they were still in a van and Jefferson Holt was driving the van for them, their manager, but, uh, Dash, Dash never opened for them. Oh, Okay. I opened for him with Alex Shelton, but uh, oh, I know you did. Yeah, y'all probably toured with him. That's a different story. Well, we we played a, a few dates here and there. I remember that I saw REM in Los Angeles. They were supposed to play the Country Club in Reseda, and um, everyone was excited about that. But then all of a sudden, remember that band, the English Beat, yeah, mm-hmm. the mod ska band from England. Well, they were on the same label as REM. And they had just exploded, and they were touring America, and they decided to do a surprise show at this club that REM was supposed to headline, and REM ended up opening for the English Beat, and uh, it was they 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 got booed off the stage because all, ah. all these kids wanted to see uh, the English Beat because it was an unannounced show, so people bought all these tickets and. The people who, went, who bought tickets to see R.E.M. were just, you know, so disappointed because R.E.M. was just booed off the stage. It was like all these mod scosters wanted to see the beat, and they were saying, yeah. you know, they kept chanting, beat, 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 oh. and, <laughs> and R.E.M., and, and I forget what that guy, what's the singer for R.E.M., what's his name? Michael Stipe. Yeah, Michael, Michael Tripe. He, Stipe, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stipe, oh, Tripe, Okay. Uh, he, I remember at the very end of the last song, he said, thank you. He just walked off the stage. Oh, yeah. What you going to do? You know, what you're going to do? Know, yeah. You know. Yeah. But the beat played a great show. The English beat were fabulous. They played a great yeah, show. Yeah. That's a good band. That's a good band. Did, yeah. uh, did a gig with, with those guys, uh, about, about, uh, seven years ago, actually. Um, well, who was uh, with what? Just their singer? Cause they're same the singer. Yeah. Yeah. Same singer. Uh, yeah. But the um, other guys are gone. So. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, didn't take attendance. It was just, uh, you know, I saw it was that guy. And uh, anyway, um, yeah. well, so, so Dave uh, Wakeling is his name, I think. Okay, Dave, there you, Dave right. Wakeling. Uh, I know who's who's got the good memory now, man. He's very good. Yeah. Um, well, so these early days, uh, you, you guys are uh, have the record deal, but uh, it's it's not a, a ton of tour support, I wouldn't imagine. You guys are out there hitting it hard, two hundred and fifty dates a year or something like that. You guys are in a yeah. van, I imagine. Oh yeah. We had a bus a couple of times, and then we had an RV for a long time. We oh, tore, okay. we tore it up. Well, uh, well, well. So, so when you're at that stage, you're 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 still young. Are you guys uh, uh, crashing on people's floors still at some points, or are you guys uh, just don't have time for that? Uh, I don't even pre- know. I mean, I know we did a lot of crashing on people's floors, but I, okay. I believe that by the time Luckett got in the band, we were. Uh, it was all hotels because luck, luck, it's not a good floor crasher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see Chris. Chris is like, man, I'm too big to, to sleep on somebody's floor in, in a, uh, in a, in a sleeping bag. That's not going to happen, man. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you use paper towels as after baths or showers? Um, I don't remember ever doing that, Manny. Manny's no. Manny's he's referring to uh, a story I've told when when uh, you know I was out with the Panther Burns or, or somebody uh, early on, and and you know the Panther Burns would would uh, 
try to never spend a dollar they didn't have to spend. So we'd often wind up staying with with uh, people who you know were 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 uh, you know arms were twisted to let us stay there and stuff. And <laughs> and I and I I quickly figured out oh some of these places you know there'll be like one towel that the the scumbag guy whose apartment it is has been using himself for like three weeks you know and that's the only towel there is. So. I started uh, carrying a roll of paper towels with me in the in the van or the, the the vehicle, and I figured out that you know if you take a shower, you bring that in, you get you can dry yourself off completely, your hair, everything, with like ten or twelve paper towels, and you always have a nice, fresh, clean towel to use. So there you go. It's a genius innovation that I share with the troubled nation because uh, you know you never know. Tricks of the trade. Tricks of the trade. Well, uh, uh, Manny, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my cocktail and looking at the clock. This seems like a good time to take a little break here, don't you think? Yeah, it does seem like a good time. And as always, the Troubled Nation knows, uh, go get a libation. We'll be back in a couple of seconds. Well, you can smoke it, you can chew it, you can really try to do it, smoking pot. Pot, pot, pot. Well, you can sing it in a song, you can smoke it in a bong, smoking pot. Pot, pot, pot. Well, it's the latest sensation that's sweeping the nation, smoking pot. Let's go smoke some 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 pot. Come on, let's go smoke some pot. Well, there was Eve and the new Bohemian smoking pot. Pot, pot, pot. Well, there's the black crows and driving and crying smoking pot. Pot, pot, pot. There's the spin doctors and blues travelers smoking pot. Pot, pot, pot. Let's go. Let's go smoke some pot. 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 Come on, let's go smoke some pot. Let's go. Everybody solo. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Bill Davis. Now, uh, you know, we're, we're currently uh, back to our original sponsor of Loose Change. You know, anybody has any loose change in their couch cushion or, uh, you know, under the, under the, the seats of their, their car? Uh, you know, that's, you could uh, pass it on to the Troubled Men podcast. Uh, you know, we have the cocktail fund that we uh, we put in all the show notes or the Facebook page. We have the the Patreon page. We we do appreciate our our continued uh, patrons who are who are there week in week out. And I yes. want to give a little shout out to uh, a couple of, uh, of of people who bought us drinks: uh, Chris Magnus and uh, former guest Arnie Skog. Both uh, contributed to the cocktail fund. So uh, so. Cheers to you guys, man. Thank you so much. As always, uh, you know, we have the follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you know, all the all the great podcast uh, services. So so, Bill, back to you. And so we're 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 in the middle of of, uh, you know, uh, Dash Riprock is doing great guns. Now we we skipped over. Where does the name Dash Riprock come from? That's very catchy. But where'd you where'd you come up with that? Well, it's a character off the Beverly Hillbillies, and it was a guy that would uh, just, he was on just one or two episodes. He wasn't a regular, I guess he was kind of regular. He was on a few times, but he dated Ellie Mae Clampett, and um, okay. Ellie, Ellie Mae, the, the actress that played Ellie Mae, was from Louisiana, and she won like a, 
a hot sauce eating contest down in Crowley, Louisiana. And her name was Donna <laughs> Douglas. And she was like a, right. a, a beauty queen. She was like Miss Baton Rouge and this and that. And she, she, she got the role as Ellie Mae on, in this show. And, uh, you know, of course I watched it when I was a kid. And so, and my dad would always say, she lives right down the road from us. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so we would later after the show was canceled and she moved back to Baton Rouge, she, we'd see her out in the yard, you know, cut, clipping her azaleas uh, when we'd drive to go see my grandmother up in Greensburg. So, uh, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, there's a freaking movie star right here in her garden. And mm -hmm. uh, and it was just kind of, you know, it's uh, it was kind of stunning for a little kid to see something like that. And, Did you ever uh, masturbate to her? Nah, I didn't. She was too wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but but we uh, well i did uh, i know okay. manny <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah when when we got when we got into uh, college and and we're looking for a name um that one popped up you know and uh it's funny because a lot of other musicians said you know that's a shitty name you shouldn't use it it's already been used like evan johns huh. and uh i forget like people who we really like Mike Buck from the Leroy Brothers and Evan Johns mm -hmm. from uh, Danny Gatton's band. And, and these guys were going like, please pick another name. And I said, you pick us another name. And they gave us these horrible fucking names that, uh, you know, I wouldn't name my dog. And so we're like, we're stuck with Dash Rock. So we just kept it. And it's it's been fine. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it sounds like it's, it sounds like what the band puts out. We rip and we rock and we dash and we, you know, yeah, we, we, we break bottles and we, uh, you know, we have real punchy rock and roll. So it's a, uh, you know, it fits our style. I always thought so too. Who played Ellie Mae's brother? What was the name of that character? Jethro. Oh, uh, Jethro. Yeah. Jethro. And that was Max Bear. It was Max Bear. He was all awesome. there. Wow. Uh, he was the son of the original Max Bear, who was a big, huge mogul in Hollywood. Yep. Yep. And I'm surprised he never, uh, after Hillbillies, he never really worked after that. No. It's huh. Kind of weird. So that's, that's the, that's the story behind the name. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Well, so 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 you guys are going great guns there, and and uh, but but so is Mojo Nixon. His Mojo <laughs> Nixon is having his his moment in the sun, MTV fame, and you guys cross paths, and you wind up in kind of a super group with uh, with Mojo Nixon. That must have been pretty cool, huh? That was really cool. I mean, um, you know, uh, he we heard him. We heard Jesus in McDonald's on WTUL, and. Um, just it just kind of it blew our minds and so we uh ended up meeting him on the road and then he came to new orleans and we hung out and then he yeah he asked me to go be on a couple of records i went to one record uh called i think bodacious and i went and sang and played guitar on it and then he asked me to be, he skid you know he got rid of skid and he wanted to do like a super group so he got country dick uh, from the beat farmers, John Doe, country Dick, Montana. Yeah. 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 John, yeah, John, John Doe from Doe X from X and, uh, Jim Dickinson produced it. And, uh, nice. Eric Amble and myself played guitar. So, uh, so he booked a whole week in Memphis, um, at, uh, real to, I think it was real to real that no, it was American sector. It was chips moments, old studio. And, uh, and you know, it, it was just, uh, one of the w wildest weeks of my whole life. It was so much fun. Um, 
and uh and that's it yeah i was really uh, you know happy to be a part of that it was really cool and i got to know dickinson and then he produced a dash record you know so um it, it was my introduction to that group of guys and uh you know you know we're, we're still still friends and uh and i'm just so grateful to have been accepted into that little fraternity it was awesome yeah, man, it's just very cool. You know, we uh, the iguanas have done uh, uh, Mojo's like pancake breakfast gig at uh, at uh, the Continental during South by Southwest a few times, and I'm always blown away at what a good guitar player Mojo is. You know, because he is he's a good player. No, there was a couple of times in the studio where he grabbed my guitar out of my hands. He goes, "No, you got to play it like this. You got to do it, <laughs> Ernie Isley. I want Ernie Isley." And I was like, Ernie <laughs> Isley. And uh, that was so funny. But yeah, he he uh, he grabbed my guitar a few times and showed me what to play. But uh, he's good. Yeah, he, he won't he won't show off his guitar uh, skills because he's too busy with his, you know, with his personality. So. Right, right, right. Well, that's what I was, I'm always shocked. Like, God damn, no, if Mojo plays some fucking guitar. Well, so, so, so some, some other interesting, uh, uh, intersections you've had in your career is, uh, uh, Glenn Tilbrook. You play on a Glenn Tilbrook record from, from squeeze. How do you yeah. wind up on that record? That was, uh, yeah, I was living in Nashville and, um, I'm friends with Steve Poltz who, uh, was in the rug burns. We used to tour a lot together and, um, and, and Steve now is kind of a folk artist, but but he knows everybody in the industry out in Los Angeles, and uh, and he tours Australia a lot. And he, he was in Jewel's band, and he wrote a bunch of hit songs for Jewel. And uh, so Steve Poltz was in Nashville staying with me, and then Tilbrook came through, and they needed a place to stay. So we, we had a farm um, out in Bellevue, you know, a horse farm. And so Tilbrook and his, um, his wife came and stayed with us. So... Um, they, uh, you know, it was log cabin up on this hill. It was re really a nice place, and he he loved it. And and then when he cho wanted to come make a record in Nashville, he called me and said, "Can you put together a band to back me up on this record?" And I, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I got uh, that's you know, I just I felt so fucking excited to do it. So I called up a bunch of my buddies got bill lloyd to come in and play bass from foster and lloyd and then kyle kyle melanson from dash played drums and then mike webb uh is this amazing piano and accordion player uh and so i got him to come in and do piano and um and we just found a little studio and and tilbrook you know came in with a bunch of songs and and we rehearsed there at my house in my basement and uh it just blew my mind because because tilbrook uh writes and plays on a whole different level from anybody I know. He's so, so intricate and sort of complicated. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been kind of a roots rocker my whole life and Mr. One, four, five, and, uh, and Tilbrook came in with all his chords and changes and key changes and man, I mean, it just totally, uh, just, you know, we were shocked, uh, at, at, at the results, you know, the results we got. So, um, have you ever met Jewel? I met Jewel. Yeah, she. I took her to breakfast one morning in New Orleans after her. She's show. hot, man. I I kind of had a thing for her years ago. She's awesome. She's a really good. Listen, you said Mojo is a guitar guitar player. Jewel is an amazing guitar player. I mean, she uses all these strange Joni Mitchell tunings. I mean, I, oh, okay. I, I saw her warming up backstage, and I went, Jesus, man. She could. She was just. She was burning it. Uh, she was flat picking 
on this freaking you know Taylor acoustic and uh, oh, no and, shit and just tearing it up and I thought what did she have for breakfast you know I I don't know she 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 ordered something off the menu and they they mm. they did it for her uh, begrud be, begrudgingly that's what big stars do. And then some some journalist got word of it. One of the waiters went to this to Chris Rose and said, "Jewel is a is a picky eater and a bitch." And, and it was oh, brother. bullshit. <laughs> it was total bullshit. I said that is such bullshit. And I called Chris Rose. I said that's bullshit. I, you know, you need to retract that because they're not. Mm. You know, because Jewel was like, "Why'd you bring me to a breakfast with a place where somebody's going to make up a fucking story about me?" And I was right, like, right. "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Well, well, uh, I kind of skipped over a, a high point here in the 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 Dash Rip Rock uh, uh, saga, which is uh, you guys record the song. It's kind of a takeoff on At the Hop. It's called Let's Go Smoke Some Pot. It's a, <laughs> yeah. a very un- unlikely hit, but it winds up being a big radio hit. Man, you guys get all kind of mileage out of that. Talk talk about that time period. It was insane. I mean, um, I mean, we were. We were kind. We were on this little label out in Austin called Sector Two, and uh, our managers in New York were also working with the Flesh Tones, and so we, we were just kind of bouncing around. Uh, and we did "Let's Go Smoke Some Pot" as a joke in the in right. uh, in the studio, and uh, mm-hmm. and we ended up uh, getting the record label like scraped together enough money to hire a, a radio promoter. And it was this guy named Randy Sod in Atlanta. And I mean, he pitched that motherfucker and got it played everywhere. And then we <laughs> switched over to this bigger label in Atlanta called Sector Two. And they, uh, not Sector Two, it was uh, Ichiban. And they had done Dead, Dead Eye Dick and the Flesh Tones were on that label. And, and man, it just, it just exploded. I mean, we were, we were making fun of, of, of the hippie jam bands from Georgia, like Widespread Panic and all that. And then we were also <laughs> kind of making fun of Grunge and Lollapalooza and, and and so it just kind of struck a nerve with alternative rock radio station listeners, and so uh, it just it, it was nuts, man. We were out on the west coast, and we were driving into Seattle and listening to the modern rock radio station, and they're doing this was our top ten for the week, and they played like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Nirvana. and then they go, and now this song that's been number one for the last six weeks. And they, and it was let's go smoke some pot. And we were driving, <laughs> we were driving in our little van, and all we had was like a beeper. That's the only way we could communicate with anybody. And we were like, uh-huh. we're fucking number one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like one of those, you know, Beatles moments. Like pull over the car. We're on BBC. You know, it was really so exciting. And then we just kind of rode it out, and we we did some big tours, like with No Doubt and uh, these really huge bands and big festivals and and then it just petered out like any other you know funny novelty hit and so uh, the mood was right and the stars aligned because of grunge and because of the jam bands in the south people just sort of really attached themselves to the song because it was uh it was making fun of these bands that were really like doing well and kicking ass and then here's this little snotty punk rock band you know, making fun of them. They're like, boy, these guys got a lot of nerve. And yeah, and it totally went that way afterwards. You know, they were like, right. Fuck, fuck you guys. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Did you have breakfast with Gwen Stefani? 
we we took a bunch of photos with her. We we had a we had a beer with her in, in backstage in her tent. So yeah, yeah. I kind of had a thing for her in the early nineties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to yeah. know, Manny. Manny, I'm gonna stop mentioning hot female artists that I've played with yeah. because you're, you know I don't want to get you too excited. well you know any band that's that's together for as long as you guys are you know you have you have uh high points you have you know uh uh ebbs in the 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 flow you know it's it goes up and down you know it's definitely it's and it's it's so admirable that uh you know through all these different eras there's bill davis uh you know hands firmly on the uh on the on the reins uh, <laughs> uh driving driving this this uh this operation forward yeah i mean I, I love it so much though i love playing live i play i love playing the guitar and, and you know I, I i really just get a kick out of playing the guitar and and singing and uh and, and the songs that i write for dash they're, they're they're songs that i love and i love expressing the ideas behind them so it's just, you know it really is just it's sort of, it has been sort of my vehicle, but, um, but you know, the guys that have passed through, like you said, like Chris Luckett and Clark Marty and, and, uh, and even the guys that are playing now, I mean, they've, they've all brought something amazing to the band. So it's, it's been kind of exciting having sort of a cast of characters, you know? Yeah, man. And that, that through line of, of, you know, the, the, the identity that's kind of bigger than, than, you know, any one individual, it's, it's, it's a, a it's right. amazing yeah. thing to have created, man. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, uh, you know, every person that's passed through Dash Riprock has, has left a mark on it. So it's definitely has been, uh, you know, a, a really fun, uh, a fun project. So. And, and you guys have had some, some really interesting, uh, intersections along the way. Like another one that jumps out at me is, uh, the period of time when you guys are, are on uh, uh, Jello Biafra's label, Alternative Tentacles, put out a bunch of records with him, and you were even uh, you even uh, are in a another super group with Jello. T- how how right. did that association happen? <laughs> T- tell us tell us about that chapter. And, well, and, uh, Jello and, and Mojo worked together on um, on Prairie. Uh, I forget the name of the record, but it was like, will the fetus be aborted or something like that? And then, uh, <laughs> and so they did this really sick record together. So they're, they're friends and, and they should be, I mean, Jello and Mojo, they, they think alike, they're politically alike and, and they are both really, really intelligent and super funny. Um, and so they're friends. And so, uh, so Jello came to South by Southwest and was backstage and was telling me that he, and he's, he's a record collector. So he had bought one of our 45s, um, and spent a lot of money on it. And he was upset that he had paid so much for it. And I was like, man, I'll give you the money back. I'm sorry, Joe. You know, it was like <laughs> some, some collector, but then we became pals. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, after dash, when dash was about 20 years old, I was like, I want to do a 20 year, you know, retrospective record and put it out like a hit greatest hits thing. And, and so he, mm. he offered to do it. And then he said, why don't you just do four records for alternative tentacles? And I was like, Oh, that's great. And so the association was really exciting for me because it's this political powerhouse out in San Francisco. And, and he had done Evan John's records and Wesley Willis and, and some kind of haywire music, not, not all punk and not all like the Melvins and, and dead mm. Kennedy's. So I felt like we, we fit in with his roster. So, uh, so that was it. And then we were on tour uh, and he said, he said, 
or, or one of us, I don't know, we were drunk in Colorado. And he, he's like, I love singing New Orleans music. I was like, oh, my God, we should do a fucking New Orleans band. And you come down and sing a bunch of Ernie Cato and Fats Domino. And, and so he was like, all right. And it, it was kind of a dare. And so we got, like, Pepper Keenan uh, from Down, uh, Fred LeBlanc. Right. Uh, we got Pete Gordon from Mojo's band. And then we got... The horns from Egg Yolk Jubilee and also uh, Morning Forty Federation, mm-hmm. and then we asked Qu- we asked Quintron to come sit in on keys, and uh, he was he had another gig, but uh, but I, I just you know we put together this insane band, and then Jello came down and we rehearsed and we did uh, I mean we did Bangkok by Alex Chilton that was our he wanted to do a tribute to Alex because he lived down here, and then we um, you know we did like. Don't mess with my tutu and Judy in disguise. So it was like really a crazy set list, and it's all recorded. It's it, it's you can go listen to it on Spotify. It's called uh, the New Orleans Ranch and Soul All Stars, and it was during Jazz Fest, and it, it was in this tiny little bar called the uh, Twelve Bar uh, down on uh, Fremont Street. You know, down in the CBD, and uh, it totally sold out, and it was fucking insane. It was so much fun. Right on, right on. Well, so uh, so you guys uh, have have not been uh, totally idle here. I mean, we're all struggling with uh, you know what's what's going on now, what's going on in the future. But uh, but Dash Rip Rock has a, a new record in the can, right? We do, yeah. I mean, you know, the pandemic, everybody's sitting on their hands and getting kind of itchy, and I I just went through a bunch of old demos and. I mean, when the pandemic first started, I thought like, oh, we're going to be locked in our houses for the rest of my life. We're never coming out. I said, they're not going to, mm. they're not going to cure this thing. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to have to stay here and zombies going to come fucking choke us to death in our beds. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I really thought it was the end of the world. So I was like, what, I, you know, I need to, I want to record some of these songs. They've been sitting here on, on my computer for years. And so, uh, so it was kind of a house clearing of demos and the studio was right around the corner from my house. And, and we went in with mask on and nobody was ever in the same room at the same time. And, and we cut this record. It's called share, share, La film. And we made it up in Ponchatoula. So, uh, so now we're sort of putting out singles one by one. And then the record itself will be released at the end of August. Okay. So yeah, right around the corner. Yeah. Just, a, just a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. that'll, that'll be coming out. Nice, nice. So that's it, and, and you know, it's it's. Uh, we did a Neil Young cover called "Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere." I love that song, man. It's one of my favorite Neil yeah. songs. It's so that's and, that's a great one. And Mojo played it a lot. It, it got into heavy rotation on Sirius Satellite Radio. So, so the record had a nice, you know, sort of um, uh, birth uh, with the help of Mojo and and Sirius Satellite Radio, and uh, and now we're just you know we putting out these little singles here and there and. It's it's a fun record. It's got a lot of Louisiana material on it, and uh, it's got a bunch of different songs. There's a song that sounds like Big Star. It's one that was sort of a tribute to Alex Chilton called Take You for a Ride, and then there's a, a murder ballad called Bayou Fabio. Uh, so, right. And there's one called Swamp Gypsy that sounds like Black Sabbath. And so it's, it's very uh, all over the map, eclectic, so... Nice, nice. And I, I know you guys had had a bunch of uh, Florida dates booked. Well, we got the Florida. We did the Florida dates this weekend. So I was down there yesterday, and and okay, and 
they went great. Um, but everybody's pretty depressed that everything else is getting, um, getting scratched. So we had, you know, we had Arkansas, we had a festival in Baton Rouge called Bandito Fest with Horton Heat and driving and crying and, and that got scratched. And yeah, that looked like a really cool festival. In fact, I was looking yeah, at that going, fuck man, I wish the iguanas were on that. That's something we should be on, but uh, that would have been uh, great. Yeah. But I think they're good. You know, they've rescheduled it twice. And so this is the, uh, hopefully they'll keep it, um, alive and reschedule it. But you know, I'm just, I'm just really, I'm sad because we, we had South by South booked last year, went South by Southwest. We had so many great things booked and had to see them just get washed away. And now it's happening all over again. And I would have never imagined that there would have been, you know, there would have been a, a, a fix for the, for the problem. And then the fix just, uh, you know, like the bridge washed away. We had a bridge. We were walking to the other side and then the bridge got washed away. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so, so the I, fix is in, man. The fix, fix is, in. is in. Well, man, he always points out that that uh, it's people. People are the worst. That's right. They're the worst. I, I have faith that this one's gonna this one's gonna subside too, and we can get back to work. But um, it's just a drag to see some gigs go away. And uh, but you know, uh, you guys, I would I would have never discovered your podcast had it not been for the pandemic because uh, you know I'm I'm cruising around looking for stuff to entertain myself with while I'm stuck in my house and that's how I found troubled troubled men and so <laughs> anyway right on. yes we 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 continued to grind them out you know there's some <laughs> suggestion that that uh oh let's wait till this is over um I th- no did you find us before or after porn. <laughs> I don't know, Manny. Y'all are my new porn, Manny. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to find out about uh, people pleasuring themselves to the Troubled Men podcast. Yeah, if, any, yeah. if anybody's doing that, please write in. Uh, <laughs> you know, we want to we want to hear from you. Uh, you know, we, yeah. Renee we, has tons of paper towels. I got all the paper towels you need. No, no, we're 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 good on paper towels. Um. Anyway. Thank you so much, Bill. It's, uh, it's great I've to wanted be here. To get you on for so long, and I'm glad we finally got to do this, man. Yeah, Renee, thank thank you, and uh, good luck to you guys, Manny. Good luck on the campaign, and Renee, thank Renee, you. have a great tour, and tell the guys in the band hello for me. I absolutely will, Bill, and everybody, check out that that new uh, Dash Ripper Rock record. Uh, pronounce the, the name for us again. Cherche la femme. It means uh, look for the woman. There you oh go. yeah, we like that. Well, uh, as always in the Troubled Nation, uh, we like to say, yeah. trouble never ends. And the struggle continues. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.